it feels odd to be speaking about Debbie and I can't see her. <laughs> I can't see her <laughs> online today. I see the back of the uh, television <laughs> and I hear her voice. <laughs> now, I don't know how long ago it was that I met Debbie, but it was many years ago. Um, we are quite a bit younger. <laughs> uh, but Debbie has been I believe a resident at Abaya Gary for 23 or so years. And um, Correct. <laughs> I got it right. She and I both did, and I met her shortly, I believe, after she became a resident down there. So Debbie and I both went through a three and a half year training uh, with 10 other people. And that was I think we graduated in 2004, so that was a while ago as well. Um, and that was uh, led by our, our teachers, who are Lung Propasano and Ajanamro. And um, so with that, we um, were sanctioned as lay ministers of the community of Abayagiri. So we're like a bridge for uh, lay people who enjoy, find benefit from this lineage. <clears throat> and they're, not, they're not having any more um, trainings, but uh, along with that, Jessica Swanson is kind of under that wing. And, uh, so uh, Debbie, has been for many years, been part of the teaching core of the annual Abayagiri Thanksgiving retreat. We didn't have a Thanksgiving retreat per se this year. Did They called it a winter retreat and it was all online. But, uh, so it's just, and Debbie comes here once a year, visits us once a year minus this pandemic year <laughs> to do a, a day long. So it's uh, lovely to have you here with us today, Debbie. I really appreciate it. So we have people online and a few people here as well. And with that, I'll just go ahead and turn it over to Debbie. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. It's lovely to be, lovely to be there. <laughs> um, the last uh, time I gave any kind of reflection or anything, with a group of people was actually at Friends of Adama in January of 2020. Little did we know <laughs> what the year would be. Um, and uh, lately I've been really reflecting a lot just about uh, transitions because we had a pretty major transition last year. Um, I'm sure everybody's life was upended in some ways. And we've had to learn how to adapt to the changes. For me, it was, um, yeah, I'm, I think I haven't, I just recently had two weeks at the monastery, two weeks in a row. And that's the first two weeks, that's the longest time I've been here in one stretch since uh, things went into shutdown in late March. Um, 
I've been about two thirds of my time right now with my dad in the Bay Area. It's 94, so just providing support for him, making sure he was safe, wanting, you know, acutely aware of the potential of uh, scammers when there's any kind of stress in the world or some kind of unprecedented circumstance. It seems like there's always opportunists. So for my dad, it's been great. He's, um, yeah, he's doing really well. The stimulation of having people with him all the time has been good for him. And for me, it's been a great learning experience because my practice has become one more of service and a lot less of formal sitting practice. And this is actually the first, first time I've actually um, given a reflection with people or shared anything with a group of people like this. Um, just because I can't, I can't usually commit to anything because when I'm at my dad's, I, I can't commit to staying there in front of the screen <laughs> uninterrupted. So um, in fact, I was at a board meeting. We had a board meeting and I, I, uh, they knew that I was with my dad and I forgot to, un I forgot to mute <laughs> and they could, I, my dad started going in the backyard and there's steps and there's no rails. So I, I went running out there and it's dad, dad, what are you doing? And then I could hear Ajahn Yanako and a few other board members laughing. <laughs> and I realized, oops, forgot to mute. <laughs> so yeah, we're just in a process of uh, now we're here opening up. I'm, I'm sure Oregon's not that much different than California. Um, we're starting to let guests come to the monastery again, uh, with a few, you know, requirements, um, cause we're still following the guidelines for the state and the county, but we have, it's, it's so odd. There's a, there's a lot of people and it feels like there's a, a crowd here. <laughs> there's, it's probably nothing abnormal a year ago so, or a year and a half ago. So it's just adjusting, yeah, to the transitions, the changes. I'm sure for me, the year I've learned a tremendous amount. Um, and I'm sure everybody has, everybody has stories to share and um, much opportunity for inner growth and development. For me, it's uh, letting go of, I left, towards the end of the winter retreat in March and the retreat was going really well for me. And um, it was kind of an abrupt, I, I still was going down to my dad's once a month, but I had a, a period of time, a block of time that I quote knew I would be with him and then I would be back up at the monastery. And this time I went down and, and I, on the, it was on the way down that I heard that they were going to be doing the shelter in place. And what came up for me was a lot of um, yeah, fear of the unknown, you know, just what does that mean? And does that mean I'm going to be the one that's going to have to stay? That I mean, that, that's how it felt. It's going to have to be with dad all the time is and nobody else is going to be able to help because everybody's going to be in lockdown. Just a lot of things like that. It's just the shift in in our, um, the shift in our expectations or, or uh, what, what we're doing, what we think we're doing. And we're going through that again right now in some ways because it's a shift into 
learning how to be with people again, instead of these two-dimensional images, how to be with um, other people, how to be with them socially, and, and how to be sensitive to the ways that we've shifted and that perhaps they've shifted as well. Do we, when we see people, do we anticipate that um, they're the same beings, the same things are the same for them as it, you know, as it was before? As we go out and go out into the world more, are we expecting to see un things unchanged from what they were a year and a half ago? Um, you know, are we expecting to see our favorite restaurant or our favorite store? I, and a lot of things have shifted um, and we're still learning what those shifts are. And things may never return fully to what they were before. And it's this constant uh, mode of adapting, adapting to the circumstances that are before us. I know I find that um, the latest kind of schedule that I've had is one week at the monastery and then two weeks with my dad. And what I found over the past year and a half is, uh, well, a little over a year, I guess, um, the transitions, those periods of transitions are really, really, really wonderful opportunities for a more intensive observation practice. And they're, they're also quite, um, I find them quite uh, fatiguing, I guess, is the word that I would use. They, take, they seem to take more energy, kind of tying things up um, at one end and then coming back into the, a completely different environment in a lot of ways. Being there, catching up with things there, getting back on board there, and then the transition of going back, leaving again, um, and arriving again. So for me, it's it's been a really uh, wonderful opportunity to just witness the effects that that uh, that has on my being, my energy levels, uh, my ability to be gracious in those transitions. And to watch the aversions that I've, I've had, I've, been, I've felt a lot of joy being able to see people again, but I've also found myself feeling a sense of aversion at times. Uh, just not, not sure I'm ready for the, the difference in the, um, the energies, the energies of the environment, the, the, the more bigger group social, like, you know, we get a, through the pandemic, we had people coming to the monastery to offer food. And then the senior monks would meet with them prior to the meal and they would all be sitting outside, socially distanced with masks on in the breezeways. And then uh, they would do chanting. Uh, and then the, the lay people after the monastics got their food and did the chant for the community, then the resident lay people would um, go. And if it was a smaller group of visitors, we'd prepare bowls of food for them and take them out to them. And um, we're still kind of in that mode. Um, we haven't fully transitioned out of that, but we have a lot more people coming for shorter stays now. And I knew at the time that it was, there were aspects of that, that more of a regular community that were um, made things a little bit easier, less 
people got more accustomed to what the what the routine was, uh, how to fit into the community. And it, it makes for, and the monks weren't going on Bindabat. There was people weren't going out traveling, uh, very little of that. So there was a certain stability in the energy of the community. And with this op more opening up, I, I can feel the change in energy. It's almost like the end of the winter retreat when people are really after three months of meditating and going inward, you can feel it in the last couple of weeks, people are starting, the energy's picking up and it happens to coincide with spring, which is usually a pickup in energy anyway. And then people's energy starts moving out more. And that's kind of what, this kind of feels like the end of the winter retreat. People are moving out more and um, there's a lot of joy in that because we're getting to see people that we haven't seen for a long time. And there's a lot of people coming um, and they're so happy to be able to come and spend a long weekend, spend a week, um, and to have that change in, in their own routine. And yet I, I, I saw in the beginning of it, it was just like kind of like this apprehension that I felt inside. And I think that's perfectly normal. And, I, and, it, and it's, as everything else, it's something that is continually changing. Uh, Margaret came, I don't know if that was in, I think it was during the winter retreat, maybe in March. And I think anyway, it was before things were opening up to guests and things. And <laughs> it was uh, really funny because we had lunch together and I kind of felt like I didn't know what to say to her. I didn't know how to be with someone <laughs> outside of our little core, core group. And it was really funny because I know Margaret quite well. So just kind of, um, no, now noticing those, how do these transitions that we're, we're constantly going through them anyway, every day, but they're on a much more minute scale. How do we take them? How do we take the changes that we don't anticipate or the acceptance that it's, we kind of have to go on a certain idea that things are going to be this a certain way and we plan accordingly, but are we, are we prepared for the, the, uh, the changes and the, the circumstances that are beyond our controls. Um, that's kind of always a question we have to have. And if anything, this last year and a half or a year has really kind of put that front and central. How do we adapt to things? Because we are adaptive creatures. We do adapt. We figure it out. And hopefully we're paying enough attention that what we're figuring out is in a way that's uh, healthy for our own well-being and healthy uh, for the well-being of others. That's always kind of, we're always kind of trying to grapple with that and figure that out. Uh, so that's something that's just a, a reflection that I've been having uh, quite a bit because just as things are picking up more, uh, we're starting with my, with my dad, it was, for a while, three of us were doing it. Then there were two of us. And then it was my sister and I, again, you know, always trying to be safe. And now it's opened up enough that my brother who hasn't seen my dad in a year, he started coming last month and was here, was with my dad for 10 days. And, and I noticed the changes just in the way that things are at the house, because everybody has a different idea of, you know, how the kitchen should be, how things should be. Uh, 
laid out and stuff and, and what foods in the refrigerator or what kind of shopping do I have to do ahead of time? And my sister and I got into a, a routine with a really very good communication because we got really familiar with each other's habits. And so we commun can communicate really well on what we need, but now there's another individual thrown into the mix. And so <laughs> I went back and my brother overlapped with him for a couple of days and things were shifted in the refrigerator, you know, little, these little things, you know, but just differences. And I realized, yeah, you know, we had a routine and now that's going to change and we have to expect that it's going to be a little bit different now as more of the family gets involved in, in participating with the, staying with my dad and the care of my dad. And, um, and then we, we were having to learn how to communicate a little bit more broadly now because there's more individuals involved and how do we schedule, you know, who comes when. And it's just all that's kind of, it's just kind of interesting. There's takes a bit more energy. And um, so how, how are we, how are we protecting our, our inner foundation and our inner calm and our inner groundedness when, as we come out more and more, even with the joy of it, joy has a lot of energy. So how, do, how are we holding that? How are we guiding that? And are we looking and reflecting on what were the benefits of, of lockdown? What, what did we take away from that that maybe was actually beneficial to us? Because I'm sure within everything, the whole grand picture, there were things that were actually beneficial and, and um, insightful. And how can we adapt what we learned through this past year? How can we adapt it to this transition that we're, that we're in right now, that we're going through right now? And um, the things that we benefited from, can we adapt them and, and kind of tease out the aspects of those that were useful to us, that were um, supportive? How can we adapt those to the, the change in situation? Those are just some, kind of some of the things that I've been reflecting on more in the past, I, I would say in the past month um, as things have opened up. And I haven't, yeah, I haven't really spoken to people. This is actually a new experience for me, um, <laughs> giving a, re you know, reflecting, sitting with people and it being two dimensional because <laughs> I've been on the other end of things. <laughs> I've had board meetings like this, but that's a little bit different. <laughs> but, um, and, I, and I don't think these Zoom sessions are, I think a certain aspect of them, I think that's here to stay too. Because for a lot of people, for me, I couldn't tap into a lot of the med special meditation sittings and stuff that were going on because, you know, I realized pretty early on that when I was with my dad, that was my priority was time with him and um, being attentive. And I don't, I didn't feel like I could really be present with Dhamma talks and stuff, uh, Dhamma meditations um, fully if I had to have that other ear out for what's going on with my dad happening with him. So, um, but for a lot of people, they found it incredibly rich time for Dhamma. I mean, the opportunities were really, were amazing how many opportunities there were to meditate with different groups, with different teachers. We had a discussion, it's kind of going on currently that um, 
with the monastery. Of course, this year they'll still do uh, a retreat, our annual retreat, and it will be a Zoom because it's just nobody wants to take the chance until we're sure that you know we're more certain that things are are stabilized out there. But you know, trying to rent a place and going through all that and setting up a retreat with the possibility of things canceling or something. So this year we'll do another um, annual retreat, but it will be again, a Zoom retreat, but we're not sure what's gonna happen in the future. Some people actually really prefer this because more people can tap into it um, from all over the world. And that, that's a wonderful opportunity. So yeah, a lot of things have really shifted and how, how are we gonna adapt to those? And um, I know a lot of people have, I've appreciated that the monastic community has been uh, live streaming the pujas. Um, so when you're in your in your home, it is it's a wonderful support to to feel like you're actively participating on time, on actual on time, with another community, a community of people that are sitting together chanting, meditating. So there's a, a benefits to that. Personally, I I kind of find it um, like I'm sitting at the monastery. I don't, I, I don't know how many of you have been to the monastery, but I could have used the, the upstairs shrine room that they use for the pujas, but it's also the mealtime right now. So there's, if there's guests, they meet right outside that hall. And, and I thought, I, actually, I'm downstairs and it's our, it's our little meditation room. It's also the room where we have little cubbies where we have... Uh, some ashes of people of people from past their lives and we have them interred in little cubbies and um, it's just a small space and for me it's more intimate and that's really always been a really important aspect of me being able to sit in front of Dhamma, other Dhamma practitioners and share my own experiences or my reflections it's always been a that that sense of intimacy has always been invaluable to me because then I, I find it easier to speak from my heart. Um, in this tradition, that's that's definitely how Pacha asked his monastics to to when they gave talks to you know try not to go from a prepared perspective, but just yeah, have an idea of maybe what you want to talk about, but just kind of trust that what flows through the heart will you know, picking up on the energies of people around or just just be more um, more real in a way, more intimate. So I decided this room would be better and it is a lot quieter than it would be upstairs. <laughs> I did hear some kids go by. They were outside doing something and um, I've got my little earbuds in to kind of help focus in what you're hearing on what I'm hearing. <laughs> but um, it's also kind of nice I'm sitting here with an image of Lopocha behind me. Um, I've got a Buddha image and a Kuan Yin. And it's just a really uh, soft, gentle space. And I don't know, I've been really resistant to uh, like, uh, to the idea of, of giving any kind of, like I usually am a speaker at the, at the annual retreat and I'm not quite sure I'm there yet for doing a, open-ended Zoom that's internationally being Zoomed. Um, I'm not sure my, I'm not sure how I am with that because that uh, being able to see people, being able to be with people, that's an important aspect. 
Um, and I, I, I'm a bit intimidated by the thought of people from Malaysia, people from Thailand, people from England, <laughs> from all over the world tapping. So, uh, and I'm, I'm also, because I'm with my dad, I can't, I can't really commit to a, any period of time yet. So we'll see how that unfolds. That's another thing I'll have to uh, figure out as, as things keep shifting and keep transitioning. But um, yeah, just uh, just to re for me, I just want to keep reflecting in on how am I dealing with this shift? What's how's that striking me? What's what's coming up, and um, how am I adapting to it? How am I am I am I uh, respecting those things that I realized were really useful to my practice? Am I still able to respect those as I transition into other? types of atmospheres and, and um, settings. And as the energies open up more and we're interacting more um, on an in-person level. It's really fascinating because I can I'm a I can be kind of a hermit, but I also have a very gregarious side and I love people and yet I really love my solitude. <laughs> so how can I find how can I adapt to that that balance and that change that we're all going we're all going through this. Um, we're, all, we're all adapting to this together and, uh, and we're going to have to do this dance together as well. And then the other adaptation here is um, this is a, a time in the community here, which um, it's a time for people to move. And now that there's more movement allowed, the community's in shift, which it hasn't been for a year. It's been a pretty stable community. So as you know, Lumpur Pisano, Ajahn Kurnadamo, and one of the Anagarikas here are gonna be going to a hermitage at the end of June. And I'm anticipating that you'll see them in Portland, <laughs> which will probably be a grand treat. And I'm really, I feel a lot of mudita for you. <laughs> um, Lumpur is in great form and he's taken his role as the uh, guiding elder. It's been a delight for him. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that's uh, the lights here just shut off. I hope that's okay. I don't want to have to get up and go turn them on. <laughs> but um, and then um, here it's Lumpur will be leaving here, and uh, we just had two monks who, fortunately, it sounds like everything's gone really well, and they should be arriving in Thailand very soon, and they'll be spending two weeks in quarantine in Thailand at a hotel, and then they'll be going up to Wat Banana Chat for their, their third year, which is a pretty common place that the monks go in their third year as monks try to send them somewhere. And Thailand seems to be top of the list. And now that that's a possibility. Um, so we've, we've got two monks who've gone there. We've got, um, Another monk who just came, I'm not quite, I don't really know him. I'm not quite sure where he came from. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm much less in the know this year because I've gone so much. Um, but anyway, lots of transitions here. Uh, that's actually something to share. I think I still have time. Oh, it's really close, but just, uh, just real quickly. Um, you know, I've been involved in Abhayagiri since before when it was just a, an idea of getting a monastery in California. And then 
and then it happened and I moved up here about a year, a year and a half after the monastery opened and been very involved and taken on a lot of responsibilities and realizing that this will be my 66th year and um, it, I've had a lot riding on me as, as an individual with, with people coming in periodically to help out. And uh, about three years ago, I realized that that's not a good, that's not a good scenario for the monastery. Too many things were on my plate. And if I was to drop dead, they'd really be left hanging and people would be scrambling. So we started transitioning over the last three years. And I feel like this year, probably one of the, I feel, I actually feel emotion about it because it's just such a gift. One of the greatest gifts of this year for me was that I just really had to step back because I was away two thirds of the time. And so um, we've developed a whole new system of doing things where I can do some things on a spreadsheet from the computer at home, but other people have taken the bulk of the responsibilities in other ways so that We've really transitioned in that way. And I'm less involved with the community in a lot of ways. I, I don't really know. Going from a place of really where like when Lone Paw was the abbot, I pretty much knew everything that was going on. And now I don't know a lot of things that are going on. And um, it's it's was my greatest nightmare five years ago, <laughs> but it's been such a tremendous gift. Uh, it's given me a lot more space just to be, to come, and just to enjoy being at the monastery in a much more spacious way where there's not so much responsibility on my shoulders. And other people are carrying some of that. And it feels really wholesome, too, because it's it's actually much healthier for the community here, for the Sangha Paulo Foundation and, and for the supporters here. And for me, kind of just kind of realizing how much identity was still locked up in that and how I've had to just uh, transition away from that. And um, I understand a lot more Lumpa's joy and being the guiding elder and not being the abbot <laughs> and that shift in responsibility. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I thought I would share with that because that's, for me, that's been one of the, the real blessings 